Welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. There have been attempts to build new space companies around satellite manufacturing or space applications over the last 10 years. However, the idea of a company building a launch vehicle end to end has only come up with the birth of Skyroot and Agnikul Cosmos. They are trying to occupy a niche by creating a capacity to be able to launch small satellites cubesats and microsatellites to low earth orbit at a relatively low cost and on demand and in the process they are trying to solve this problem of cubesats and microsatellites often just waiting on the ground for primary larger satellites to be ready to be integrated to larger rockets my guest today is shrinath ravichandran who's the ceo of agnikul cosmos Agnikul began in 2017 with Srinath Ravichandran and Moin as co-founders based in Chennai out of IIT Madras and today has raised over 23 crores in funding to realize their launch vehicle. This episode with Srinath perhaps complements the one with Pawan from Skyroot to give you the listeners a little bit more of the context of their thoughts behind their ventures. and the struggles and the barriers that they have had to overcome if you haven't yet listened to that episode with pavan i do suggest that you go check that out from the episode archive shrinath welcome to this episode of the new space india podcast yeah thank you np thanks for having me on so i remember you know having met you maybe 2016 or some timeline like that uh, you know during the iac days or in the us when you were there and uh, Uh, you were working on a side project back then uh, on space cooperative and trying to build this community in space so tell us a little bit about the days back before agnikul okay yeah actually you're spot on on the dates i think yeah it was i think that is when i met you for the first time as well uh, 2016 towards the end of 2016 if i remember right uh yeah so my story i i mean i've always been an aerospace enthusiast uh, so my in fact my first interaction with isro happened in when i was in 10th you know 10th grade uh, there was this uh, red rover goes to mars project or something that nasa was working on and uh, there was it was like a national competition so as so a part of that and i got a selected as a semi finalist there and this was about you know being part of doing some small thing for a rover that was supposed to go to uh, mars by 2020 so that rover itself i think has now been uh, scrapped but anyway that was my first real interaction with isro and so on i met uh, i think the gen chairman was uh, dr kasturi rangan so i had an interaction with him and i remember he asked me what is the what is the altitude for a geostationary uh, satellite orbit and i said 3600 km and i still feel pretty bad about that <laughs> anyway so that was early days uh, and then now uh, so and then i wanted to do something in aerospace engineering uh, fam- friends and family around me said uh, you know it might be a little hard uh, jobs are very less so better off to take something on the electronic side so did my electrical electronics engineering which also i really liked uh, but then there was not my top favorite uh, then finishing finished college then went on to do a core job in motor design Uh, which was in ABB, and then everyone around me in my friend circle that time was doing something in finance. So I was intrigued by finance. Uh, I had absolutely no background uh, in it at that time. So thought I should know at least know what this is. Why are so many people going in and so on? So uh, that led to me doing a financial engineering program from Columbia University in New York. 
everything was great there except that i got the timing a little off i went to new york in 2008 so that was a pretty bad timing given the scale of the crisis that was happening then right so uh, that quickly gave me a sanity check on what really markets are and what is finance and so on i heard i learned it in a great period uh, for finance as a whole uh, and i was doing that work i got into a firm that was doing you know trading and um, derivatives for hedging risks and so on in fact actually only two kinds of firms were hiring at that time lp one was like bankruptcy firms and uh, firms that were doing hedging of some sort so i got into uh, uh, the ladder the hedging firms and uh, i was doing that but within a year or so there by 2010 i think i realized that actually my heart is still very much in engineering so and this time i had already done a switch so i wanted to be really clear that you know aerospace is what i want to do so did a lot of online courses and stuff and figured out that probably a masters in aerospace would be needed for me to do something and i also actually liked aerospace a lot i wanted to actually study it so registered for a masters in aerospace engineering from university of illinois at urbana champaign and i did that for 6 months as a program and i realized i should be in a area in the us where there is ample scope for space tech networking and that is what got me to la and this is right around the time 2016 which is when uh, you know i think i also reached out to you and i think you were telling me on how to get started and so on and the current state of affairs at that time was a little different compared to how it is today right so that is 2016 i moved to la converted that to a online program uh, which by the way i've still not finished so i can't claim i have a masters in aerospace engineering yet i don't know if i'll have the time to finish it i have three more papers to do close uh, then that happened and then i also ran into these issues with uh, being on h1b visa in la uh and uh, doing something in aerospace was pretty hard i was always only on the fringes right uh, doing something the side was only possible and one of those networking things only got me to uh you know meet uh, yalda uh, who is a, actually at that time a student in one of a certificate program from ucla uh and then she was uh, talking about this really cool idea about uh, you know how a community can be built around doing large scale space missions with a bit of uh, you know a, a complete democratization angle to it where you don't need to start off like a usual private limited company or a c corp or something in the us instead you could do it from a more cooperative standpoint uh, and so that was also really interesting for me i've always believed that space is open to everyone should be open to everyone the barrier should to go there should not be large and so on so i uh, was working with her on that for some time i think that is when we were also uh, think in touch and at that time uh, also this whole thing of rockets was there like i mean i was in la got a chance to you know visit spacex and so on and uh, realized that there is something that might be possible as a small rocket company only rocket labs was very popular then i think firefly was there but they were in a bit of a down uh, regime at that time so thought i should give this a shot i knew us was not possible so reached out to a lot of people in india uh i particularly targeted uh, iit madras profs uh, or in fact actually all iit profs who were having reasonable aero departments in their university so to delhi kanpur karakpur madras cold called a lot of them and uh, so one prof who actually was actually replying was professor satya chakravarty uh, so it took me a couple of calls to tell him that hey this is really what i'm doing and he should take me seriously even though i'm like i don't have direct space background Uh, but he did take me seriously he actually had a lot of cool ideas on how rockets should be built because he was taking courses on this and so on 
So uh, once I knew that he was a little bit sold, I quit my job in the US and came back to India to do this as a proper, you know, company. I was also obviously hearing about, uh, uh, you know, the new space startups in India, right? Bellatrix was already there and their rocket was already on their website. And it was in some sense both, uh, you know, inspiring that, you know, people can do this out of India. Uh, they were definitely back then, 2016, I think they were the only ones who were being spoken about. I knew about your own startup as well, which was even earlier than them, I think. So, uh, yeah, I came here and uh, in between my other co-founder, Moin, I think you've also spoken to him a couple of times, uh, NP. So he was also in the middle of changing careers. So that also happened. Uh, he wanted to do something in space and I was doing this transition. So we both got in, then Prof was in, then we incubated at IIT Madras and that's how we have grown today. So what was the, like say, the initial challenges in uh, Agnikul and, uh, you know, given that you were starting afresh uh, and you are looking to build this uh, launch vehicle out of, in, out of India. So you, I mean, you did get some support from IIT uh, Madras and uh, I know that, you know, having gone through incubation and accelerator programs by myself, uh, the amount of involvement can be good, but uh, it's mostly the network part of it that most incubators and accelerators provide as support rather than, uh, you know, some other stuff. A lot of the, you know, main uh, stream selling all the vision to raise money and, you know, hiring people and, and getting the right sort of people to work on the right things. And a lot of the things, you know, goes back to the founding team itself. So what were the initial uh, challenges for the last, let's say for the first six to 12 months like? Sure. Uh, so one thing that, so you're absolutely right on that part, uh, you know, what usually incubators and accelerators provide. Uh, with IIT, there was one change though, and that was from Prof's side, right? Uh, he was running this really cool lab. Uh, it's called uh, the National Center for Combustion R&D, uh, NCCRD, and that's where our whole team sits today. It's this really amazing facility with a lot of infrastructure uh, to test anything that is burning, right? Uh, you literally have research happening on uh, municipal waste that's burning and on the other extreme you could do you know rocket engine jet engine firing and so on also in the lab so that was like a decent facility we got access to because prof was interested so that was definitely a good thing for us from a facility standpoint uh, but other than that yeah the real challenges in the first year was about figuring out where the money will come from i at that time the uh, the ecosystem was uh, definitely not even as popular as it is today, uh, right? So uh, there was this process of, so I started, I mean, cold calling worked once for me. So I, I had this faith in cold calling. Uh, so I reached out to a lot of investors, didn't have super connects at that time. I'm not that, I mean, even today, I still think I should do more networking on the investor front. But uh, that said, uh, I did reach out to people, cold call them and so on, reached out to other friends of mine who were doing startups in other areas to see if VCs would be interested. And uh, it was mostly educational sessions. I was not used to fundraising. So I used to go and tell them uh, what it means, what is this industry, what are the different things, what is upstream, what is downstream, what you could do as a business. So that was the most challenging part in the first year, figuring out what to even do to raise money and is there even money here? And if not, is it going to be only government grants? And a lot of people are also advising me to you know, probably start looking only explicitly at government grants and stuff because uh, investors in India at that time might not have had the appetite or might not even be exposed to the sector. So that was a big challenge at that time. Uh, 
Uh, the second big challenge was scaling the team. Uh, we were four people then and I didn't know where to start to, uh, you know, actually build a, at least a 10 people team because there were like five or six streams to focus on when we're doing engineering. Uh, because we were in IIT, we were able to get a few interns, uh, but then most of them had clear objectives on that was resume building for them and no harm in that, right? I, would have, I have also been in that uh, place, so I understood that. But then we were not able to coherently build out something. Uh, an intern would come do it for three to four months and then he would leave and then that's basically that and then after that we'll have to again find someone to take it up from there. So those challenges were there. So to find the first set of people was definitely challenging and I didn't have enough money to pay uh, experienced people at that time uh, or also the uh, wherewithal to convince people that you know like hey quit this job in this place where you are in and come and work with me. I don't think I had the uh, ammunition to even go and sell that at that time. So those were the first two challenges. I, I still remember them specifically because I think that was that is what uh, was the most painful. Tech was never that challenging because Prof had his connects to ISRO, uh, to retired scientists. And that's how we met Mr. R.V. Perumal, right? Uh, father of India's GSLV rocket. So, uh, and through him, we met a few other people, his colleagues, professors, other, you know, contacts at ISRO. So we were getting some tech, ad, uh, you know, uh, advice all the time. We didn't have bandwidth or people to actually implement that uh, advice we were getting. So that is why I spoke on the hiring part was the next challenge for us. So you did uh, speak about, you know, ISRO folks and uh, the former ISRO, you know, scientists who are today retired and so on. From my own experience, you know, a lot of them, uh, there are two groups of people, one who are, you know, they put ISRO as this institution that they work for like 40 years and uh, uh, they, they just regard that to the highest extent and uh, anything that they view is on the, in the lens of uh, protecting that institution's uh, legacy and, you know, the program and the structure and everything else. And there's a bunch of uh, people who are from ISRO who are retired, who are open to change, you know, who are open to see some of these new companies do stuff that ISRO was doing for the last 50 years, like, you know, building rockets or satellites or so on. So there's two groups of people, I would say, that in my own experience that I've seen. Um, so what is it uh, that, you know, makes them believe in what you say and, uh, and you know, support uh, in what you're trying to do? Right. And I think you have a fair point. I have also seen uh, both uh, kinds of people. I think this is where I think Prof helped a lot, right? Uh, because he had worked with ISRO people. Uh, just having him around in the meetings made them take me a little more seriously. Uh, I, I, I've been at these with some people at least, and even not only with ISRO people, even with others. Uh, my background at that time was a little perceived as a little more of a confused person as opposed to a person who was passionate about aerospace because I had done two, three things that were not directly connected, right? So, uh, so that was uh, definitely uh, broken, that the thing was broken only because Prof was in these meetings. I always made sure that he was at least there in the first two, three meetings till we did some work to show that we are serious about this. So I had to build that credibility with people and definitely Prof helped there. Uh, but I was actually super surprised to see how supportive the supportive folks can be, uh, you know, going to, uh, going to extents of, you know, literally work, they, they, they were all like, you know, consulting for other companies and so on as well. So it was not like they were totally free and still they were able to accommodate, you know, meetings in the night and, uh, you know, work with me on whenever I, I, if I wanted a meeting quickly, they were 
you know nice enough to accommodate that and so on so the supportive folks are like super supportive prof was helpful with people who were a little skeptical um and yeah i think there was a bit of credibility building that had to happen so that is that is how we were able to get a list of you know people to help us in each of these uh, subsystem areas so when you have a limited group of people and your limited uh, finances resources uh, everything so and you are trying to build as uh, a full system like a launch vehicle you need to start somewhere to you know build build it out in a way that uh, you can prove credibility on the way and you know move on so given that there are so many pieces to a launch vehicle and you know given the constraint in the manpower and resources uh, how do you see this scale you know how did you imagine that this would be the start and this would be the let's say the the next goal uh, before you then you know look at the full system uh, can you like talk through that idea sure uh, so again i would uh, i would uh, definitely give that credit to perumal sir right uh, he was one of the people who lay out like a rough rough milestone based map on how things should go uh, i had also done my work before and prof has also seen uh, you know how these stories go so i had that backing uh, so uh, the first thing for example was to come up with a reasonable machine design tool and then also to start working on the engine at the same time right so that is where we started off on and one thing was a more of a software angle which was slightly easier to build and the other one was a uh, uh, engine building thing which would have been extremely hard if we did not have uh, a facility like nccrd so with people who have already built rockets so laying out like okay what should you do first you know get the first engine firing out of the way get the machine design tool out of the way have a point mass trajectory tool to at least know that your rocket would work accounting for all of the losses those things and all came from retired isro people and we were just you know marching to those orders uh, you know implementing stuff going back to back with reviews so that is all this was happening in early 2018 once engine development happened to some point we fired our first injector based you know that time there was we were we didn't actually have the right access to 3d printing and so on uh, so we just made a conventional uh, you know uh, conventionally manufactured bipropellant injector and made an engine around that and fired it and all this was possible in iit in 2018 itself uh, because of the infra so once that was there and once we got access to 3d printing the next of the things started to fall in place uh, again with people's uh, the retired people support reached out to folks in the gnc side the uh, you know structural items permal sir himself was helping we also reached out to people on the aerodynamic side and slowly things started to uh, grow Uh, the core milestone the core path ahead core strategy came from prof and um, uh, you know uh, uh, retired isro center yeah that is definitely interesting and i you know had vishesh uh, talk about his uh, view of investing in you guys uh, in an earlier episode which was also interesting to know that uh, he wanted to take a risk in entering the space sector and you know he was open enough to hearing you out and uh, so i would imagine that you would have probably pitched to 150 people before you got the first investment uh, from vishesh and a few others yeah yeah definitely somewhere in that uh, definitely between 100 to 200 probably closer to 200 uh, yeah easily and it was more like i wouldn't even call it pitching as i said right i used to go thinking it as pitching but i was actually educating people and i realized that now i mean at that time i did think i was actually pitching because we never got to agnikul uh, these meetings would be more like uh, Hey, this is the industry. There is rockets, there are satellites, there are ground stations, there are software, 
and these are the things that they can do this is why people need satellites so that is what i was doing with a lot of people but with vishesh it was different he had an idea he had a view he had already spoken to i think uh, uh pavan from skyroot by that time so he had a clear view on what exactly rockets are so with him we spoke agnikul so that was actually a very different thing for me pitching to vishesh when investors uh, step in into a launch vehicle company it's a it's a long game and uh, it's a game that uh, needs to up in terms of financing every single time and uh, you know given the ecosystem in india i know that there's uh, for example now seed money available or let's say series a investment available to a certain range of companies even in the space sector which has changed a lot in the last 10 years for the good and the challenge of course will be to have enough money to be able to build operational you know scale missions with uh, you know full rocket facilities and you know end to end uh, um, you know hardware development centers and uh, to have your operations and mission control and everything else so that needs you know a, lot, a serious series b and you know follow up investment do you think this sort of capital is available in india at this point of time it's changing um probably within space i think it will become available uh it's right, right now is it there probably not to that level right uh, but definitely as you said seed and pre series a can be raised in india i'm actually quite confident about that pixel has done a great job too there right so and uh, belatrix too so uh, and we have also done it so from that standpoint i can say that it is possible for up to pre series a series a and beyond when you're looking at like say around 10 million dollar checks i think there people were definitely hesitant on the policy front people were definitely hesitant on this model working out of india itself uh, it was perceived as rocket science anything in space uh, not just rocket building uh, and uh, that was just a to, to some people at least my my understanding is it was a little bit of a mental block right that is too complex an area to get into and that will need a lot of money and why should we even go there when there are other alternatives and think about it from a vc standpoint right uh, most likely they might not be exposed to the sector when we approach them or even today when you're up, today it's actually better let's say a year ago right uh, now they have already researched so many other sectors and uh, the amount of time that they need to spend with a company in one of those sectors to make a decision is very less in 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 space tech there is this huge learning curve that they have to go through that is opportunity cost for them they will have to sacrifice two deals in some other sector uh to get one deal here which is probably more risky so that that was a that was a challenge and i think that is still a challenge with some of the bigger names uh people are hesitating to you know whether it makes sense to spend that time to come in because from a pure financial standpoint i think i think their logic is definitely right so uh that said with in space i have seen a change literally since this, i think uh, first time uh, our uh, finance minister gave that announcement right about atmanirbhar bharat uh, and she she spoke specifically about changes in space tech and how government will view space i think since then things have started to change i'm able to now reach out to a vc and actually have a conversation with him without him thinking too much about does it even make sense people are curious of course the spacex story uh, with uh, you know putting uh, you know uh, launching astronauts on a private vehicle all these things have also made people understand that there is something going on here and it is worth spending their time so maybe 6 months from now or a year from now it will definitely be possible to comfortably say with confidence that series a capital is there in india 
but until then it is still going to be i think other companies who have been raising today i think it is with us to some extent to actually convince investors that it makes sense so that the next wave of startups that will come will at least have up to series a cleared that that is how i think about it right i and i did you know get a few calls from uh, companies like hero group and you know larger companies who are interested and now looking at uh, their strategy level uh, teams investing and looking into what uh, opportunities may be present in space sector which is also interesting and that's where i think it may be interesting for them to participate uh, you know if series b and c and that kind of 20 30 million dollar uh, investments that companies would need to scale up uh, i personally believe that uh, these large corporates may be one of the sources uh, uh, in india particularly i agree with you uh, I, i think that's a really good point mainly because a lot of these folks have worked with isro as vendors right so some of the things that at least in hardware some of the things that as a startup you might struggle a little with systems processes qualification standards testing standards what isro would like uh, what isro has coached these vendors uh, people in india right uh, those things are sometimes just available with uh, with the current people current big players so so if they are invested if they are interested in doing a strategic investment uh, they come with beyond the whole cash part and facility part they come with that that knowledge as well which is needed to scale uh you should be able to build a like a rocket for, for a rocket for example a hangar or a or a at least a assembly facility right and what would what would that mean that is a little challenging to get from uh, say a, a, a person who's in academia right or from just a regular startup person who can code who can do the first cut design and first cut realization and all of those first time things but to go from 1 to 10 i think is there is a lot more experience needed there 0 to 1 is probably a startup game 1 to 10 in space tech sector is much much easier with experience that is what i have already seen from whatever we have built in all the hardware we have built so uh, and there again isro expertise will come in uh, but then these are things that the retired isro scientists have already trained uh, existing vendors with so when we talk to you know uh, retired scientists about uh, these kind of things qualifications system standards they just always point us to vendors because i mean these are the guys who actually train the vendors and uh, they have built out good stuff with it so yes i think you are absolutely right series b capital might probably be uh, dominated by strategics i think it's a good thing for the companies as well if it happens that way because they do get more perks than just the cash uh, about you know getting stuff space qualified and so on So when you are trying to build a, a smaller launch vehicle the set of uh, you know let's say innovations are quite different than a larger vehicle uh, and so on so i normally do of course you know avoid uh, you know people talking about proprietary technology that they are trying to build uh, i know that you may not be able to speak about it uh, to a large extent as well but uh, can you walk us through what are the innovations that you see that agnikul is doing that is very different from uh, other launch vehicle startups sure and pl i think i can definitely talk about a high level so i'll just do that right uh, so the first thing so the focus here is an on demand vehicle right uh, because if you otherwise look at it why will not people go to uh, spacex or to rocket lab which is already doing this quite well 
So if we have to really differentiate ourselves and be a successful player, we'll have to do it something about reducing the time angle as opposed to reducing the cost. Cost is a good play. Uh, you can always target lesser dollars per kg, but I think globally speaking, that alone cannot be a differentiator and people will always catch up. Uh, Rocket Labs is having a facility to put out 100 rockets a year. So to match them in scale with only cost, you could still do it, but the, the differentiation becomes lesser. Probably there'll be 2x of an Indian company. That is not enough difference to make you a, a big core, uh, you know, uh, like a really profitable startup, right? So then the question, so that was, that was very clear for us. So our focus was on on-demand. And we thought also, I mean, just if you look at how the launch vehicle industry has worked, um, at least our perception was that it has been very, very launch vehicle centric as opposed to being satellite and small sat centric, uh, right? Every other industry in the world, any other transportation business in the world is more customer focused. Uh, except the launch vehicle industry, which is the vehicle focused. You have to go to where the launch vehicle is. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, uh, you have to adhere to the timelines when the launch vehicle is ready. And uh, if you're a small side, you're worse off because you have to now count only on rideshare to go to space. So those were the big problems that stood out. Once we decided rockets are the way to go and there are some problems with small sats going to space, that was, those were the problems that stood out. So we went around attacking exactly those two, three points, right? So having a strategy where we could really target launching from any launch port in the world. Uh, having a strategy where we can really realize an entire vehicle within a one-week time frame. Uh, and then also uh, focusing on how flexible can we keep it to really, really make it a dedicated launch vehicle, right? Uh, there is this concept of scaling up in rockets that we have seen. Uh, the Falcon versus Falcon Heavy, right? And even PSLV has uh, multiple versions to scale up the rocket. But I was not saying rockets getting scaled down. And I thought for small sats, that's a more important thing. If there is a 30 kg customer, I want to just build a rocket to just put him in space and still be profitable as a company without charging him too much. So that's why we came up with, okay, why not think of shrinking rockets as well as opposed to only scaling rockets? So that ended up with a bit of a model or design approach where we could fly with multiple numbers of engines, not only fly with the same set of engines. And that was important to do early on because, uh, and you might already know this, vehicle is super tightly optimized, right? Uh, you cannot design it for say flying with seven engines in the first stage and then say, hey, you know what, actually I'll take off three engines uh, out of that because I have a lesser payload. It doesn't work that way. You have to design for controllability and stability uh, right from the very beginning. So. Uh, so those things went into us. So that is our second thing. The vehicle is configurable. The idea is to really keep it like, even within that really, really small class of 30 to 100 kg or 30 to 150 kg, uh, you should be able to configure it like a laptop by buying a laptop on a, you know, like an Apple website or a Dell laptop or a Dell website or something, right? Uh, go put in the payload, put in the launch port, put in the orbit that you want to target, uh, put in the payload mass and then yeah, and it, you have a basic vehicle configuration that is probably the cheapest for you uh, if, if if that is that is something that you can make work. So that is what we really try to do as an overall thing. And uh, in terms of making the vehicle also, uh, you know, really an on-demand vehicle, we decided we have to reduce the manufacturing time even when we are at scale, we should be able to do it faster than others are doing it. And that is where the single piece rocket engine concept came up, right? A prof was actually working uh, on jet engines that were uh, significantly 3D printed, right? He's actually still working on those projects with, I think, GE, if I'm not mistaken. So in NCCRD, the facility we were, 3D printing was not a new thing. Uh, 
there were students who had done that stuff, who had worked on material properties and so on. And Prof himself had seen a lot of results. So he just extended that and he was telling us, you know, probably we should push 3D printing to a point where really only when there is an economical benefit, you should stop uh, 3D printing. Until then, you should just 3D print everything you can. Uh, because it is not a volume business, right? Rockets are not a volume business. And if you look at 3D printing, 3D printing is, is a, there is a negative to 3D printing only when you're trying to do hundreds of parts a year because it's a slow process. Otherwise, it's a great manufacturing technique. So that is where the 3D printing angle came in. And uh, we decided we'll try to attempt a rocket engine that is a single piece rocket engine. So all of the rockets, uh, 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 typical like bipropellant engines components are printed in one shot, starting from the injector all the way down to the nozzle exit, right? Uh, so we took limitations of existing 3D printers, limitations of existing materials and configured our design around that. So that has also helped us with the on-demand solution. Now I think we will be able to make an engine in about 70 to 80 hours. Uh, at least the, the, that's, that's all it takes to get it out of the printer and put it through heat treatment. Yeah, after that, there is still assembly to the vehicle, but the engine itself is done. So those are the three basic techniques, right? Have access to launch ports anywhere. Uh, try to make your, make your vehicle super configurable uh, and flexible and uh, make some of the more complex parts completely 3D printed uh, so that so that the making time is really less. That's that's how we think we'll be different from other people who are trying to do the same thing. Right, and you did talk about uh, the you know industry base and the vendor ecosystem uh, that ISRO has created in India and a few other things. So how strong is this in terms of your own uh, launch vehicle system? How much uh, can you rely on these vendors, uh, you know, or to put it very plain and simple, uh, what is the percentage of uh, import versus, uh, let's say, local manufacturing for your own uh, systems at this point of time? At this point of time, I think more than 90% is India. Uh, actually, maybe 95% is in India. For a few sensors and stuff, we'll have, we'll have had to go outside the country. But most of it, I mean, ISRO has done a really uh, good job in training vendors, right? Uh, so, and launch vehicles are not new to India at all. Uh, so, a lot of things are available here. A few components here and there we still have to go out, particularly mainly because, again, we wanted a off-the-shelf, uh, you know, product angle to those. I think if we had to take the traditional route, then maybe even for those sensors and stuff, we would have probably had uh, options in India itself. But we wanted to keep it cheap and we wanted to try off-the-shelf components which could be packaged to be space-worthy. So uh, that took us outside. Uh, I think, yeah, I think I, I, I still see this as a 90-95% made in India game as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, I mean, that's great to hear. I think this is more uh, of a launch vehicle case because the embargoes on India, you know, led to ISRO doing a lot of uh, innovation and creating the vendor ecosystem. I'm sure that if I ask this question to the Pixel guys, the answer will be slightly different from them. Got it, got it. Yeah, I was I was definitely telling you from a launch vehicle standpoint because that is the thing that I have directly worked on, right? So I can take a talk about that from my experience. But yeah, probably you're right for the other, other ones. I, I don't have enough knowledge to comment on that. What are the challenges, I guess, you know, you faced in terms of uh, manpower for your own company? Uh, because 
you know, if you say you're doing a launch vehicle in India, I'm sure that there's a million people who will send you Facebook, Twitter, you know, LinkedIn messages saying, I want to be part of this company and, you know, I'll, uh, I'll carry coffee and I'll do something else and whatever to be associated, right? So there's a lot of uh, very low signal to noise that I see by myself through all of this. Um, so how do you identify talent? You know, how do you uh, get them on board? How do you, uh, you know, get them into the right... Uh, section of the technical activity uh, what is the you know what are the your experiences in that it's actually a really good question to and i think at least for people who will be hearing this also i think it might help at least what we have figured uh, so definitely happy to share that right so you spot on on the uh, low signal to noise ratio right but the good thing at least for a launch vehicle company is there's so many things happening and uh, I, I actually vividly remember when I was in college, uh, when I went to College of Engineering in in Chennai, Google was like the most sought after company NP. So if you were basically getting a job in Google, it was like the coolest thing in college at that time. And they had this really interesting tagline to their, to their uh, recruitment campaign, which was, if you're good at anything, you have a place at Google, right? So I've shamelessly copied that and everything I've done after that. <laughs> Uh, at least in terms of hiring, uh, because I actually fundamentally believe in the idea that everyone has something, uh, you just have to see what they are good for, and then if you're giving them that, then it'll be like you're not making a fish climb a tree, right? But uh, the challenge we faced were like, you know, three challenges were there. One, there is this definite shine about rockets. Definitely a lot of people want to come in, but then once they come in, they quickly realize it is not as shiny as it looks from outside, right? You're working with uh, like my mom has told me this multiple times when I'm going to call when, when I'm at my parents' place sometimes. It's like, why are you talking like a plumber, right? We're always talking about, hey, is this wall working? Why is that leaking? You know, is there a liquid block there and so on. So the shine of what it means is uh, quickly withers off once you enter a hardware company, particularly for rockets. So then the question is turn and obviously people today have so many options, right? Of why, why should they be with Agnikul? They can be in any other place, at least to start with, if they don't see the vision and they're here for whatever they think rocket science is, right? So that was, that was a challenge. Uh, the second challenge was we are sitting with an IIT and um, IIT, B-Tech people, IIT B-Tech people are some of the smartest people uh, in India. Uh, and the, but the challenge is also, uh, how do you retain them when they have a job uh, from Uber? say at you know 40 lakhs a year and uh, I am for me that is a money that I definitely can't afford at least at that point in time when I had, ra- I had barely raised any money right so how do you retain these really good people they'll come to you for internships and they'll do an awesome job but after that what uh, so these two things were real challenges uh, people getting disillusioned and people not willing to stick around because everyone around them was getting a lot of higher pay and it was not fascinating enough to be working on rocket plumbing, at least for a liquid propulsion company. So then uh, we just went the brute force way and we, uh, we took LinkedIn as the tool and uh, just put out all postings there. And uh, there was a lot of signal to noise ratio, as you put it, uh, but uh, low in the sense, very low signal to noise ratio, a lot of noise. But then we just went through hundreds of resumes and then for, you know, 10 would be okay. Uh, it was just grunt work. There was, I, I, I still have not figured out a shortcut for that actually. Uh, and then after that, see those 10 people and then probably one and that would be okay to work on what we want them to work on uh, and be okay with the pay and be reasonably, go- reasonably good at skill set. So that is how it has been. Uh, not been the simplest of stories. I still don't have an answer to that 
question if you ask me is, is what is the best way to hire for a hardware startup in india i actually don't know i've been doing it only brute force way i i've seen actually one thing that also worked out is there are a few other people in the team who had a journey similar to mine in the sense they were in the us or you know europe and they wanted to come back uh, because they were not able to quickly get into space tech in the us for example and uh, i remember a story in my own company where there was this guy in the airport when he was waiting for his luggage he had moved to chennai uh, and he was waiting in the airport for his luggage and he's just like okay i'll just look for aerospace jobs on linkedin and see what is there anything even if it shows up in india in chennai and then agnikul showed up and now he's a part of our company right so and i i i that story connected very strongly with me because i did the same thing when i came back to chennai uh, i was waiting for my bags and i literally searched for aerospace jobs and only one thing showed up and that was also i think a very uh, a technician kind of a role uh, in data patterns if i remember right there was only thing that showed up at that time so uh, that's it's, it has been hard uh, definitely not easy to uh, you know hire the right people and retain them with more rounds of money with uh, better funding with more awareness about space also being a place where you can build a career as opposed to just building resume uh, i think that will change but i'm yet to see that to you know yet to see that happen actually yeah i mean this is a generational change and uh, you know you're in the middle of all these uh, generational changes and i uh, really am hopeful for all of these uh, changes through you know through all of this uh, and especially it comes down to the actors right you know the actors like you like skyroot like pixel and you know many others uh in making that happen and making uh, showcasing success because i often keep uh, telling people you know here in europe or in the us that uh, ours is a culture where the government kind of wakes up after there's been an overnight success uh, independent of the government investing in them so it's the case with uh, you know with whatever cricket or badminton or you know any sport or any culture or any other activity as well you need a, a successful company that uh, that showcases uh, something where then the government says oh, if we're not a part of this then uh, we will look bad interesting i is i i think we got a free check from uh, corona i feel the sense all of space tech in india got to be clear uh right uh, this whole atmanirbhar bharat thing who would have thought like i didn't even dream about and i know that's a lot of work done by a lot of people before that the culmination of that was space tech getting a serious uplift with atmanirbhar right but i was i literally i i couldn't believe it when that like, where did space tech fit into atmanirbhar is how i thought about it to start with uh so yeah i think it was one of the very 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 few good things that people might have you know gotten from this whole corona thing is uh atmanirbhar bharat including space tech in their own plans of you know opening up uh opening up the sector for enhancing space tech in india so i don't know if there were other reasons but i'm pretty sure i know a lot of people have been trying to tell the government that they should open up and stuff and it culminated with atmanirbhar i think i would think great so let's talk about a little bit more on the operational side uh, for agnikul you are possibly have to do some of the more uh, rigorous testing for your uh, you know for your own uh, stages and launch vehicle and everything else um, what do you see happening on the let's say the regulatory and policy side for you guys to be able to do more tests and eventually even fly out of india i know that isro has said that they, they'll open up the launch facilities uh, for uh, startups like you 
but uh, what are the other things that you would like to see fall in place in the next year or two um so i think already in space has been pretty helpful they have had a few meetings with them uh, and uh, things are actually moving uh, which is which is really good to you know uh, even for the team it's pretty more because they're seeing things happen we bring some of these designers into the reviews and stuff so this is really good so far i think things that should happen or already uh, from a, at least from a launch cycle standpoint there was always a question whether what will it mean to launch from uh, isro launchpad uh, but that has been directly addressed right i think the chairman in fact mentioned it in a you know in a media uh, i think in, a, in an interview or something and beyond that we have also had conversations with in space and that is totally doable so that i think they're actually working on making that possible from india opening it up to private players to launch um i think uh, beyond that the question of uh, what exactly would be the qualification needed right so uh, so isro has its own process to say okay now i can actually put this in a rocket that will fly uh, if that part is uh, is made more clear uh, then i think that would really help because we would have a target in terms of quality target in terms of you know consistency in products and so on uh but right now the way we have worked around that is again talk to vendors because vendors these standards are given by uh isro to vendors so vendors know this if you approach the right vendor who has already served isro in that area he can clearly tell you what has to be done for isro to even accept it right so so that's how we have gone ahead so i think clarity there on do a b c d e and then you will get your you know your you you your 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 rocket will be qualified to fly similarly on the from a, again from a launch vehicle standpoint what is exactly the safety analysis that would be required uh, for the for us for example uh, this is completely out there in the ufa website right anyone can go and it's actually pretty much open to everyone you could just go to the website and look at it so again that level of guidance on exactly the safety analysis to be done by an external player i think that would also come in handy because it is not trivial work the core part of it is easy to do uh, from a software standpoint but it is so much uh, you know scenario generation and, and a lot of simulation and lot of things to analyze to find out your instantaneous impact points to find out uh, you know what exactly your trajectory will be what are the root guidelines you're going to use to terminate your mission in case there is a failure and all that stuff so more clarity on that part as well uh, flight safety i think that would be super helpful from a launch vehicle company standpoint itself uh but yeah other than that i think government has uh, at least for us i could say that they have actually done what they are what they have told publicly right uh, we have gotten facilities opened up for our testing uh, we have gotten uh, you know uh, clarity that we will be allowed if if things go well from a vehicle qualification standpoint we will be allowed to use isro's launch pod so all those things that we have heard on the media uh, we have seen that happen for us so on those fronts i'm actually extremely thankful to isro for actually taking this seriously and doing it uh qualification systems flight safety i think these things will probably they are evolving but right now i've not heard anything so that's what i wanted to uh, if anything that's what i would like to see happen yeah that's uh, really you know an excellent uh, development i would say and uh, i did talk to pavan about uh, you know this space uh, federation of india the new industry association and i and i told him that you know the if you look at how the it industry evolved and you know nascob and i spirit and many other industry associations really doing the work to highlight the value of the industry to the government itself 
we can learn a lot on how some of the other technology industry industries in india have uh, used such tools and platforms to to mature the voice of the industry because often not many people would want to hear opinions and suggestions by one company right it's a group of companies that uh, people would like to hear opinions and suggestions from and i guess you know this uh, formation of uh, the space federation of india and also you know I, the the easiest thing that uh, you could do is also have a list of jobs that are uh, solicited from all the new space startups that are a part of that industry association in a way that uh, it communicates to people that there is a lot of employment and there is a lot of opportunity and uh, created through all of this so uh, yeah i mean what do you think of uh, all of these uh, you know development as a collective because for me you know 7 or 8 years ago when i was trying to do a lot of stuff in india i often faced this challenge that uh, entrepreneurs you know they were looking out for themselves and their companies but they would never look out for the for the entire ecosystem together so they would never come out uh, and you know have a voice that they would say we would like to do something together as an industry that was really missing in india i mean 7 or 8 years ago i guess but now you know things are uh, changing a little bit for the better and this is where you know i wanted to plug in this uh, in this conversation with you and you know get some thoughts out ah uh, i definitely think spacefair is a great idea i think uh, having a combined uh, voice for all of the you know budding space tech community is is definitely a good thing uh, uh yeah i i i see that is changing as well in uh, in the sense that you know if you are only looking out for yourself uh, yeah i think the popular saying right i think i've also seen it you post about it somewhere some uh, i think you know you can you can probably go you cannot you can you cannot really go as fast right uh, if you are if you are going just by yourself so uh yes totally agreeing with you on that part i also think lot of these concerns are actually shared concerns i am sure pavan has pretty much similar questions like i have what he has for skyroot is what we have for agnicol i'm sure uh, again we both share a few things with belatrix and probably with pixel as well so all of us are in the same boat so might as well have the government look at these concerns at one point otherwise it's also annoying for the government it's not like they don't have enough to do and in between a gaganyan and in between the next sun mission hearing the same question from 20 different startups is painful i think so i think having one 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 group which can talk on behalf of a common set of needs for all startups would be uh, i think it's a great idea but definitely i think it will make a difference to people here also for the next uh, next set of startups that are coming out and by next set i'm talking about startups that actually are, will be forming after in space I, i would i would definitely say before and after in space in india is literally like a era right uh, and uh, there are a few people uh, who who with and you in for example you did it even even before i think the team in the story uh, np so uh, you definitely belong to that generation which is super bold i think in taking the first steps uh, after team enders after belatrix getting their order from isro think a few other startups got encouraged i think probably i would call agnicol one of those people right uh, we incorporated in 2017 uh, and then now uh, after 2020 may i think there's going to be a wave of startups and those startups would hugely benefit from having a organization like this being represented by a lot of these startup players and smaller companies should also include probably say 
MSMEs and people who don't have direct access to the government, who are not directly working with the government, uh, and probably be represented by neutral players as well, right? So, uh, uh, so that it doesn't look like we are fighting for one person under the name of a of a of an organization, and in that context, the entire community would be served. So, definitely uh, with the idea uh, uh, in in concept, and I hope that will actually make a difference for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about a little bit on the economic side of the launch vehicles uh, itself. Normally, you know, in my very limited knowledge of uh, launch vehicle economics, uh, the bigger the launch vehicles are, the lower the cost per kilogram for uh, payloads. I mean, that's, uh, let's say, rule of thumb generally has been around for a long time. Uh, so given that you are looking at, uh, you know, payloads, I guess, uh, about 100 kilos or so uh, on the launch vehicle, how do you see this, uh, you know, uh, idea of a sweet spot where the price is, uh, is still something that you can control for, uh, even having a lot smaller launch vehicle uh, against, you know, building big and bigger vehicles as such? Because today there are, you know, companies that are building launch vehicles that can, let's say, put 50 kilos to up to a thousand kilos in the small satellite launch vehicle category. Uh, so can you give your sense of what are the let's say the economics uh, narrative to all of these uh, vehicles and how competitive or what is the sweet spot like? Sure, NP. Uh, so I think it starts off with, uh, you know, uh, really addressing the core problem of why build a rocket when there are already quite a few people building rockets, right? And that's why I think I also mentioned about the core launch on demand part. I think pricing is a game you can play in, but it will not really sell for too long. And even it's not gonna be a meaningful differentiator. Uh, so that is that is how we thought about the problem, and uh, I, I I believe a little bit in this philosophy of you know start with a small market and be try to be the the biggest player in it uh, uh, as opposed to getting a small part of an extremely uh, large market. So I think that is why we limited ourselves to the less than 200 kg area roughly and have scalability even in that, so that there is a true on demand. If I want. A 50 kg person uh, to wait, why would he wait for Arnigal, right? He would just go with SpaceX uh, or with PSLV or anyone actually, right? Like why why Arnigal then? So the only reason why someone would like Arnigal is because, okay, even for 50 kgs, we can just take them to orbit. So, uh, and still be at a cost where others would not, uh, you know, uh, where, where he's not paying too much and we are also actually been profitable as a company. So that was the core idea and that is how we have sized all of our things in terms of scalability of the vehicle, in terms of w what it means to manufacture the different subsystems and so on. Uh, I actually, I, I think you are definitely right in the sense that in most industries, uh, bigger means of from, for a scale standpoint, it is definitely better from a per vehicle unit economics, right? I do think below a certain point, again, it again becomes like smaller is also okay. There is this medium range where I think you should try to be out of. And I think the that that is a, that form for us, I think, I, at least I believe that that range is in the 300 plus range. Once you go over a ton, I think you have significant advantages, but then you must have the wherewithal to put that kind of money to start a rocket company like that. Also, you're directly locking horns with the likes of SpaceX. And uh, it's a global business. Uh, it's not like you're going to be restricted to only one geography if you're a launch vehicle company. So yeah, if you're over one ton and you're able to get the technology right, I think then you have a serious shot at 
being successful on, on in the long run and similarly if you can go super small i think you have again some advantages because then the need for infra is much lesser you could live off uh, you know partnerships with universities and stuff and everything from your testing requirements to your uh, qualification requirements everything will be more handleable with money which is lesser which is in a series a level money right as opposed to as you said like series b series c money and that will only be needed for scaling so that is why i think this sector at least from my understanding of it that is how i see this market really small rockets are actually not super expensive to do if you use the right manufacturing techniques and if you if you think through the design from with a lot of focus on unit economics how much will one vehicle actually cost the company if you can keep that to be really really low uh, i think it's doable with a really small rocket or on scale with really large rockets intermediate part I, at least i am not able to put it together the numbers in my head. right this is i think a debate and a discussion that will go on for a while until you see some of the you know market economics really working uh, uh, in the next few years that will be very interesting to see Um, totally totally yes yes yeah now i think we are speculating absolutely yeah you're right but how do you see let's say the india market evolve for you do you think um, you know like even isro for that matter if they have smaller payloads or drdo or uh, the government institutions and of course you know private sector companies uh, like uh, spay like pixel now or somebody else uh, trying to build satellites as well Uh, do you think there's a niche that you can occupy there as well yeah absolutely i mean you would love to right i think uh, government orders would be great either for subsystems or for actually doing the launch itself uh, i i if they have a serious small sat uh, program in india either by you know by drdo or by isro and if they open it up uh, we would love to be a part of it i i also wish they open it up to everyone Uh, so that we'll all have our parts to play in both making of those small sats, uh, putting the payloads on the sats, and also actually launching them. So, I yeah, I would definitely love for that to happen. I would love to well, love for India to come up with a serious uh, small satellite constellation program that all that benefits all of the you know private players and startups in India. Yeah, absolutely, and it goes back to a lot of my discussions with uh, other folks, you know, who are. Uh... in let's say the academia or you know the science uh, guys who are trying to build missions and so on so it is uh, it's it will be important to see somebody like a dst for example allocate a part of money for uh, science using small satellites and so on so that you know isro guys are already quite stretched from what i see and i don't see isro allocating money for such missions by you know university professors and and so on but but dst i guess you know should look at uh, space in general as a, an avenue to do science more science and you know siddharth and jayant and so many others from ia you know amiti so many of them are now coming up with so many new ideas but the problem is they often don't have the funding like uh, you know like nsf or nasa or somebody else would be have doing in uh, in us and in europe right yeah i i i yeah i think that'll be great uh, some government money specifically allocated allocated for space research in some sense i think it has been on technology see that's other thing generally right aerospace engineering is actually an amalgamation of so many different areas of engineering right uh, so it, like even for what does a typical aerospace engineering lab, you know school look like and you'll see 
they work on a lot of the other things nccrd is a great example for that right it is government money it is dst money funded at least partially but then there is stuff happening on space tech and also come not, not nothing related to space tech right as i said uh, you know coal gasification municipal waste uh, you know efficiently burning municipal waste and so on so there are shared resources already available i would say but definitely having separate allocation putting it putting the focus completely on space tech itself would or would yeah would definitely help accelerate the growth i that's why I, i my belief is it's still happening people are always using these labs for one thing or the other that is related to space if you do it just for space then the pace of growth will be much faster absolutely and i see that you know today you have companies in india coming up uh, almost on a weekly basis as some particular startup idea or project or or so on uh, how what is your personal opinion of let's say how the mushrooming of startups or anybody trying to do space tech uh, will happen in the next uh, few years uh yeah sure i think uh, we actually have had a uh, you know some offline discussion about that right and so i definitely think the current policy would be encouraging people right everyone who just had a dream of having a space startup would definitely now want to have a startup or the government coming out so openly about stuff um i do think the barriers for entry it's it's it then becomes a little bit like other hardware startups right you can compare it to a ev startup if you're doing an ev startup in india you do have a certain set of challenges and the same thing will be there for space tech startups as well uh, particularly if you're doing hardware uh, i would say uh, it isro has accomplished a lot there is a global respect for isro uh, and uh, isro is continuing to do a lot of interesting missions so to get isro's attention for people to take you seriously you need to come up with a certain level of development before you approach them uh, there is this article i read uh, about at least about rocket companies right uh, it there are 150 or so whatever people around trying to say that they're all building rockets and most of them are three people sitting in a room with a ppt right uh, i think at that level if we are troubling isro it would you just not get the attention and the seriousness of the whole thing comes down so we should probably and i'm holding myself also to that standard right myself in the sense agnikul also to that standard right uh they always try to make sure that there is significant work done or there are very specific questions that we have when we approach the government so that we are mindful of the fact that they are trying to do other things and this is a support that they are giving us and every time we reach out to them it should be credibility building for us right i i i definitely think that is an objective that other startups should also look at the regulator or whatever isro here they should they should they should they should grow to a point where they understand that serious stuff is happening in startups uh and i'm sure already lot of startups today are doing that i'm talking about the new people who are going to come in uh in the next few months or who come in in the last few months after in space you know approaching isro with the right level of maturity in tech and this need not be after spelling spending a million dollars or something right if you get the right academia partner or something you could still do something meaningful and then if you approach isro i think it would be easier for them also to help you directly and at the same time we will all be building an image uh with isro that that you know serious credible stuff is happening privately i think that is important for isro and the government to continue to look at startups seriously uh, i think that responsibility is solely on startups we should always live up to a certain standard before we go and ask for help like if there's there's material available in textbooks and you're going and asking isro for that 
and i've seen people do that right and that's painful i don't think that we should dilute it to that level that would be my only thought of anything this is the best time to do a space tech startup in india i am sure you would agree with me on that np you you you've seen i think two or three waves of space tech startups uh, this is literally the best time uh, we should just do it seriously and do it to a point where there is credibility absolutely i think you you know called it very rightly in that sense uh, and it's it's a wave that you know everybody is uh, kind of riding uh, pushed by the government and you know also a lot of uh, isro's uh, change in perspective and the narrative that they are now putting out to support uh, you know companies they're all very 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 refreshing and uh, given that you know you we have now institutions like in space coming up there's a all the loopholes in uh, established industries uh, like in europe or us that they are facing uh, we can kind of rewrite all of that and learn from all of it and uh, execute in a way that uh, everything becomes very smooth for companies in india to uh, to really you know build for the world yeah totally agree i think we are there right there is already credibility and i, I know you also have your uh, you have a lot of uh, contacts internationally as well right and india and space tech is taken very seriously people don't people people don't uh, people people don't see it as second class to at least in many areas we are among the top so uh, i think yeah if we can learn from other countries and if we can directly address questions of startups coming through say space fed or any of these organizations uh, definitely it would be a easier way to allow for more and more private uh, you know uh, uh, r&d to happen in india I think private r&d as such in space is important uh, for the country itself and uh, yeah government if, i think they've already started doing that that is my understanding and the narrative has changed i'm also seeing it in action so it's going to be the next 2 3 years i think are going to be really interesting uh, to watch final question uh, we've already had like a chat for more than an hour but uh, you know what do you see as uh, let's say the toughest challenges that you will have to undergo in the next 2 uh, or 3 years uh that can make or break agnikul um i think uh, three angles uh, i would always put uh, any company any startups first risk on fundraising at least in hardware uh, so yeah that is going to be an important thing for us to continue to raise the right kind of money from the right set of people uh so that will be number one uh number two would be us uh scaling up and standing up to the quality of work that it takes to uh, to make a rocket work again we are thankful to have people who have dirtied their hands building rockets but it is still challenging it's not easy tech and it's painful work it's like you get a success story once in 100 days right it's 99 days of things not working for one day of working and then the cycle continues so that part is definitely going to be a, a, a challenge to stand up to uh, it's interesting but it's definitely something that will keep us busy uh i think the uh, the last point is definitely making a business out of it uh, right it's very and i am a rocket enthusiast myself as one of the co-founders i do take conscious efforts to make sure there is enough happening on the business front as well either this means you know talking to the right set of vendors or talking to the right set of customers uh these relationships are important to build because at the end we are building a product and uh, that part is going to be an important focus for us and little more little what you call like you have to figure out a way to bootstrap uh what you call customers if i can use that phrase with customers right uh in the sense there is a there is a selling story here 
uh, until you've actually launched your first couple of rockets, it's not going to be easy to get your customers to convince, uh, to get convinced, particularly with other people around. So what do you build as a narrative? How do you go and tell someone that, hey, I have spent six months on this technology on my side and I'm going to put that all on one vehicle launch of yours and I'm going to bet that that is going to work and my tech is going to work. I am already taking risk on my tech. Now I'm also taking risk on your tech because you're building a new launch vehicle. How do you answer those questions? I think that has been interesting for us. We have uh, a few success stories there. We have some strong relationship with customers, but it has not been easy. And that is because uh, people are spending their blood and money and effort in their products and now they're coming to you with that. And you're supposed to take it from point A to point B safely, right? Uh, so that's a challenge as well. So customer development, you know, business development as well as a third area. So to summarize, first would be funding and keeping that money flow coming in. Uh, second would be uh, standing up to the level uh, of tech that it that a rocket, you know, rocket company demands. Uh, and third one would be maintaining the right kind of business relationships and building them and nurturing them as you grow, uh, as you're building out a product. Uh, good luck uh, with all of this, uh, Srinath. I'm, uh, you know, I'll be of course a very keen supporter and an observer, and uh, you know, I wish uh, the entire team uh, a lot of luck in you know moving forward. And I'm sure that uh, it'll be extremely a lot of fun to see all of this mature in a way that uh, we're going to make an impact, uh, you know, from India to the rest of the world. So thank you again so much uh, for taking a lot of the time, you know on a weekend to getting on this call and you know, get it, recording this episode. Sure, thank you Envy, thanks for having me. I think uh, I, I, you're one of the first names that popped up when I was Googling for what to do in space tech in India. And I think that is how we connected through this other colleague of mine at that time, right? So happy to be on your podcast. And uh, yeah, I think things are really changing. I know, you're, I know you've been wanting for things to change in the positive way for the startup ecosystem, private ecosystem in India. So. Yeah, I'm with you on also taking an observer seat, even though I am a participant directly, also taking the observer seat here and seeing how things shape up in the next two to three years. It's going to be a fun ride for all space tech startups in India in the next two, three years.